This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. And Jesus and his disciples went to Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed so that they begin to question amongst themselves, saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. The gospel of the Lord. I want to take that as my text this morning from Mark's Gospel, Chapter 1. Mark's Gospel, Chapter 1, verses 1 through 28. And if you have your New Testament handy or your Bible handy, I want to encourage you to turn there. Mark is the second book or the second gospel in the New Testament. Uh, Mark's Gospel, Chapter 1, uh, beginning at verse 21. And this morning, I I've titled my talk, Even Demons Obey. Even demons obey. I was thinking that uh, the, the night that I was converted and became a believer in Jesus Christ, and this happened uh, quite some time ago in the late 1970s at a youth meeting where I didn't even really want to be. The, the central thing uh, that was in my thinking that night, as I reflected on the gospel that was presented and the invitation uh, to receive Christ, and even in that moment, uh, where I said yes to Jesus, the thing that was uh, central in my thinking uh, was that Jesus is Lord uh, and that the right thing for me to do that night as I was being invited to accept Christ was to respond to that truth and to submit to his lordship. Uh, in theology, sometimes we talk about the threefold vocation of Jesus, the threefold vocation of Jesus, which is a prophet, priest, and king. Uh, in which we understand that uh, as prophet, uh, Jesus is our teacher. Uh, and uh, as priest, he's, Jesus is our redeemer. He saves us uh, and forgives us and saves us from the power and penalty of our sin. And, and then uh, Jesus uh, is king. Uh, and as king, Jesus is Lord or, or ruler, if you like. And that night that I was converted, it was that last part that really made an impact on me. That that Jesus is Lord and that Jesus is King and that my calling uh, was to submit myself to his rule and to his authority and to do whatever he calls me to do and to submit myself to his authority and obey uh, because Jesus is Lord and I am not. But Mark tells us uh, in our text, in beginning at verse 21, that after Jesus had uh, called Peter and Andrew, James and John uh, to be his disciples, they went into town in Capernaum. In fact, where, uh, where uh, Peter and, and, uh, and uh, James and John and Andrew were uh, fishing, 
uh, was just on the beach nearby, but they went into town and, and Mark tells us that immediately on the Sabbath day, the day that they met the people of the Jews of the day, as even Jews today, uh, meet for worship. They went into the, uh, the synagogue and Mark tells us that uh, Jesus was teaching and that the people in the synagogue were astonished at his teaching. For as uh, Mark says, he, Jesus taught them with authority and not as the scribes. Now, C Capernaum, in fact, I've, I've been there uh, with some of you. Uh, in 2014, we were in the Holy Land and we went to Capernaum. There's not much there in terms of what you'd call a, a functioning town now, but it is a, it is a tourist site uh, because of the, the, the place that, and the role that it played in the ministry and time of Jesus. Uh, but it's located there on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee in northern Israel. And Capernaum was the hometown of Peter and his brother Andrew and James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And it appears as you look uh, in the Gospels and compare them, uh, you compare the synoptics that uh, Jesus apparently made Capernaum, uh, if, if you like, a sort of base of operations whenever he was doing ministry uh, in the north uh, in the Galilee. And so on the Sabbath, Jesus and uh, his disciples went to the synagogue in Capernaum to worship. Uh, and uh, Jesus, we're told by Mark, was teaching the people. Uh, and Mark tells us that the, that the people were astonished. Uh, it's sort of interesting. Mark doesn't tell us anything about what Jesus uh, actually said, but he does tell us uh, about how he said it, uh, namely that he uh, taught with authority. And then he makes a comparison by saying, and not as the scribes, uh, that is the uh, local Bible scholars of the day who taught in the synagogues. Uh, these scholars that taught in the synagogues uh, with which the people were familiar. Uh, and who, when they taught, uh, relied heavily uh, on the traditions and interpretations uh, of the uh, respected rabbis of the day. But Mark tells us that uh, Jesus taught uh, very differently. He taught with confidence and with authority, uh, not just to seemingly uh, to, to be passing on the opinions of others, but uh, that what he was saying uh, seemed very much to be originating with he himself. In fact, that's what the, what the text says. In fact, uh, we, we remember uh, as we uh, compare this with what we read in the uh, Gospel of Matthew, that Jesus was wont to say things like, uh, you have heard it said, but I say to you, which is an ex extraordinary teaching formula, uh, unique to him. And in fact, uh, the prophets uh, of the Old Covenant, they used to introduce their teaching and the, the teaching formula that they used would, was um, uh, thus saith the Lord, or this is what the Lord says. But as you read the gospels, any, any of the four gospels, uh, Jesus never used that formula. But instead Jesus said, uh, this is what I say to you. And in fact, as I was thinking about that, that reminded me of an incident that happened in the life of Jesus sometime, sometime uh, later uh, when he was teaching uh, in, the, in the temple in Jerusalem. And we have it recorded for us in John's Gospel, chapter 7, uh, beginning at verse 40, where we read this. It says, and, and when the people heard Jesus's words, some said, this really is the prophet. And then others said, uh, this is the Christ. This must be. This is the Christ, the, the Messiah. And then some other people uh, were saying, uh, is the Christ to come from Galilee? Because Jesus was called Jesus of Nazareth and he, his, he, he hailed 
from uh, and build, if you like, uh, from from Galilee. And then they said, and and has not the scripture said that the Christ, the Messiah, comes from the offspring of David, and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was. And John says in his in his editorial remark, he said that there was a division among the people over Jesus. And some of them wanted to arrest him. So they're not all friends, but foes as well. Uh, but no one laid their hands on him, John says. And then it says in verse 45 uh, from John chapter 7, and the officers, probably a reference to, to officers, are we think of them as police, uh, members of the temple guard, uh, that they came to the chief priests, no doubt to report what was going on. And the Pharisees said, to, uh, the chief priests and Pharisees said to them, why didn't you arrest him and bring him to us? And then notice what they said in verse 46. And the officers answered, no one ever spoke like this man. And then Mark says uh, back in Capernaum that there was in their synagogue, this, this, this would have been the synagogue where uh, Peter and, and Andrew and, and their family and James and John and their family all went, that in their synagogue was a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? We know who you are, the Holy One of God. And then Mark tells us in verse 25, and Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing the man and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. I've often wondered about this. <laughs> Hadn't anyone ever noticed this guy before? <laughs> I, I, the, the text says that there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. Uh, presumably, this was somebody that everyone knew. Uh, we would call him a member of the synagogue. Uh, but, but not until now. Not until a Jesus shows up and Jesus is present. Is this man's spiritual state exposed for what it really was? This man uh, possessed, uh, didn't apparently mind the teaching of the scribes, uh, but Jesus, who is God come in the flesh, uh, he clearly set this man possessed, this set him off. Uh, and, and Mark tells us that the demon within this man, uh, presumably unable to, to, to stand Jesus' teaching any longer, cries out and says to Jesus, what have you to do with us? Uh, and of course, the answer to that question is nothing. Now, Jesus and, and the demon, or perhaps demons, have, you notice the singular and the plural with reference to the demon and the voice that's coming out of this man. Uh, Jesus and this uh, demon or demons have nothing in common. And then interestingly enough, the, the demon takes a shot at Jesus and calls him Jesus of Nazareth, which of course, uh, was a town that uh, people commonly understood as a place from which nothing good can come. And yet the demon within the man knows exactly who Jesus really is, uh, namely the Holy One of God. He calls him the Holy One of God. In fact, this is a, a, a messianic reference from, from, the, from Psalm 16. Uh, and Mark says that the, that the demon fears uh, that Jesus has come to destroy him and whatever other demons might have been with him inside of this man. And then Mark says that with authority, with divine authority, Jesus rebuked the demon 
and then gives these two issues these two commands the first is be silent because uh, the truth of jesus identity wasn't something that jesus really wanted everybody to know just just yet and then during this early part of his ministry and then and then the second commandment he, he says to the demon and come out of him come out of the man and interestingly enough the, the demon obeys in fact notice in verse 26 and the unclean spirit convulsing the man and crying out with a loud voice came out of him indeed even the demons have the sense to obey jesus when he issues them a command and mark says that the people were all amazed uh, and they began to question amongst themselves even as uh, the people in uh, in judea in jerusalem had questioned as we read from john chapter 7. they began to question amongst themselves well, what is this a new teaching and with authority he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him and then verse 28 and at once his fame that is jesus's fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of the galilee indeed these people had never seen or heard anything like this uh, teaching with authority and, and not like the scribes and then an exorcism done simply uh, and effectively with power and authority and apart from any kind of a long drawn out process but it's that line in verse 27 that uh, sticks out to me, uh, which reads, and he commands even the, the unclean spirits. <laughs> he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Even the demons obey him? <laughs> even the demons are obedient to Jesus? when he issues them a command and when i read that i i thought uh, to myself and so what is my problem uh, 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 the demons obey and i have a problem with obeying uh, even given the fact that obeying when i obey jesus i have everything to gain and nothing to lose someone has written uh, for many people, obedience is an unpleasant concept. For many people, obedience is an unpleasant concept. But, but what is the opposite of obedience? The opposite of obedience is disobedience. But what's to be gained by disobeying God? Indeed, if obeying God leads to blessing and reward and disobeying leads to the opposite, one might think that we'd think differently about obedience but then perhaps that's just the problem perhaps we're not thinking what do you think even demons obey let us pray i hate the thought lord of thinking of being showed off or showed uh, uh, better uh, by demons <laughs> that demons would obey and that that I wouldn't you're worthy of obedience Jesus said in the early the, earlier in this chapter one from from Mark's gospel the kingdom of God is at hand and therefore repent and believe the good news of the kingdom and yet we often 
have trouble with that. Help us, Lord, to obey. It is in our great best interest to obey and to the interest, the, the, the best interest of everyone around us that we should be faithful and obedient to you. If even the demons obey, certainly we can obey. Help us to do it, we pray. Always. In Jesus' name. Amen.